You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. Let me tell you, before I get into my sermon, if you were not here Wednesday to hear Ella Hollingsworth preach, I'm telling you, you missed it. I, I mean, we've been bragging on Ella ever since she spoke. So go to our podcast and listen to Ella speak. And hopefully we'll get Ella back and get her preaching to us some more because she just did a fantastic job. We, we need some women preachers, right? Yeah, absolutely. We, we don't want to be male heavy up here. We just got to have some women that enjoy doing it. And Ella is one of those ones that enjoys getting that opportunity. So Ella, thank you. That was just such a great message. And I've, I've already had lots and lots of people say to me how much it ministered to them and how they were blessed by it. We already received the word this morning. Man, I'm excited what I got for you. I want to talk to you about living with gratitude and passion. Living with gratitude and passion. Now listen, there's a lot going on right now in our country. There's a lot of things happening, a lot of extenuating circumstances. I mean, we're living in a time where there's lots and lots of challenges. Can I have an amen? And you know, this would be one of those sermons, well, this is not really appropriate. It's not really the time to talk about living with gratitude and passion, Paul, when we all have all this stuff going on. No, I disagree. I feel like there couldn't be a better time to have a conversation about living a life with gratitude and passion. You know, it's easy to get stuck in life in a negative attitude. Man, I'll tell you, we are surrounded by so much social media and so much negativity everywhere in every place that we go, we're hit by this. And And I so appreciate passionate, enthusiastic, grateful people in my life. How about you? Aren't they a blessing to have? You know, and we often take those kinds of people for granted, I believe. You know, we're just used to them being there, those bubbly people, those people that exude life and they exude joy. Sometimes we take them for granted, but it's so important that we recognize the role that they play in our lives and how important it is for us as individuals to make sure that we are walking in an attitude of gratitude and passion. It's really, really important for us. It's human nature to focus on problems. That's why we have 24-hour news with talking heads and that's all they talk about is problems. It's it's human nature to focus on negativity. It's human nature to make life humdrum and mechanical. Just going through the motions, just getting up, check the boxes. Get up, go to work, come home, go to bed, get up, go to work, come home, go to bed, get up, go to school, so forth and so on. And it's so easy to get caught in a rut. This mentality robs people of their passion and it robs us of our grateful attitudes. See, at one time we were excited about the things that God was doing in our life. We were excited about our future. We were excited about what lies ahead for us, about our marriage, about our college roommate, about that new friendship, about our, about our jobs. We were excited about those kinds of things, but now we've allowed those things to become stale. They become common. You know, even coming to church in worship, because we do it every Sunday, we do it every Wednesday, coming to the altars and having this moment here at the altars, because we do it every Sunday and we do it every Wednesday. It's so easy for those things just to become commonplace for us. We're just going through the motions of life. 
And so now we've allowed that to become stale for us. And I want to encourage our church as a people called by God, we're not exempt from falling into this pitfall. Each and every, just because we're born again, just because we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, doesn't mean that any of us are exempt from the dangers of falling into this pitfall in our own lives. Because understanding that most of life is routine, anything can become stagnant. You know, routine is like a double-edged sword. You know, on one side, it's good because it's routine. And how many of y'all ever got knocked out of your routine for a season? And then you got to get back into your routine. What'd you say? Oh man, I'm so glad to be back in my normal routine. I'm so grateful to be back in my normal routine. But how many of you have ever on the other side of that said, I'm so sick and tired of my routine. It's the same old thing every day. I'm so tired of it. And I've caught myself doing the same thing. I've said that to my wife. I'm so tired of just getting up, going to work, doing the same thing. But the fact is, you can have an exciting, challenging job that can become boring and repetitious and dull. And it can happen to any one of us. You can be married to a wonderful spouse, but because you don't nourish that relationship, you don't feed that relationship before you know it, it's just a dull, boring, stagnant relationship. At one time, you and your friends, you were excited about the Lord. Man, y'all met, you had Bible studies together, you prayed together, you did social life together, you went out and you had fun and you did things, but now you no longer do that anymore. See, we have to work at keeping anything fresh. We go to the store, all of you ladies that do the shopping for your homes, you go to the store and you buy vegetables, you buy meat, you buy fruit, You have to be very careful with that stuff. You have to make sure that you package it and protect it in such a way so that it stays fresh and life is the same way. You know, the story in the gospels, I think Josh actually had this, that he ministered out of the same verse here just a couple of weeks ago. Chapter five of Matthew, I mean of John, uh, we see the pool of Bethesda. It's a very familiar story. All of us have probably heard it. You know, people would gather around this pool and kind of the folklore was that when the waters stirred, if you could make it into the water while the water was bubbling and and being stirred, that you could be healed. So I'll read a couple of verses to you. It says, after Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days, inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. They would lay on these porches. Well, one of the men lying there, he'd been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him, he knew he'd been ill for a very long time. He asked the man, would you like to get well? And here was his response. He said, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Some translations say, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. See, when the water was stirring, people were drawn to it. And metaphorically speaking, for you today, what does the pool of your life look like? Is it stirred up? Is it bubbling? Do you draw people to your life? Or have you allowed your pond in your life to become stagnant, to become old? Are you actively keeping the water of your life stirred up? Your prayer life your Bible reading time, your friendships, your work, your relationship with your children? Are you keeping that stuff stirred up in your life or has your pool become stagnant? 
You know, Jesus said that he would give us rivers of living water, welling up within us and overflowing out of us. And you know, that's just such a great check for all of us. You know, if Jesus said when he comes and lives inside of us that he would give us rivers of living water coming out of us, if we don't have rivers of living water coming out of us, then all of a sudden I have to ask myself, okay, where is Jesus's position in my life at this particular time of my life? You know, we are living in a moment of time, church. Listen to me. People need hope. People need encouragement. People need other people around them who have vision for the future, for the future. First Thessalonians 5.11, it says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Hebrews chapter 10, this is a good one, verse 24 and 25, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to good works. Here, did you hear what that said? Let us think of ways. In other words, we're sitting around, okay, you know, what can I do to encourage someone today? Who can I send a text? Who can I call? Who can I have lunch with? Even in my own life, how can I think of ways to stir up? You know, all of us hit a, hit a lull. We all have those moments. We're not always on mountaintop experiences all the time. No, there's always gonna be lulls in life. There's always gonna be valleys that we hit. We can't avoid those things, but we can determine how long we stay there. Can I have an amen? The Bible says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now. Everybody say now. Everybody say now. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, passion for life is like a river running through our hearts. It's like a river running through the relationships that we have in life. It keeps everything bubbling, keeps everything fresh so that it doesn't become stagnant. And I I really feel in my walk with the Lord that we all have an obligation to make sure that we are that bubbling spring for the person to the left of us and the person to the right of us, especially now with all that we are going through. It's so easy to get caught up in your own life, your own problems, things that you're dealing with at the exclusion of other people. You forget that there are other people who have needs. There's other people who are going through hard things. Are you being that bubbling brook in their life to encourage them? Second Timothy Chapter one, verse six and seven says, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Come on, I'm preaching, but of power and love and a sound mind. Now I refuse to walk in a spirit of fear. The Bible says God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. And, and I believe just as we can exude or have an aura of fear in our life that affects those all around us, we can also have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind in our life that affects those around us. Can I have an amen? See, we want to be a person that is fueled with hope and faith. 
And I wanna challenge our church. I wanna challenge those listening by podcast and those of you listening by live stream today. I'm not here to shame anybody. We all gotta walk in wisdom. We all need to do what we need to be doing. I think that's very important. But at the same time, I wanna be a person that fuels others in the right direction, not fuel people in the wrong direction. So don't allow your passion for life. Don't allow your desire to help other people to become stagnant in your life. No, you're the one that's gotta keep that stirred up. So how do we keep our lives fresh? How do we stay a bubbling spring for people that we encounter? Well, one way to stir the waters in your life is is to be grateful. To be grateful. This is something I try to practice all the time. It's probably something that I do a whole lot in my life. I'm constantly thanking God and being grateful to him. See, it's so easy and we're all tempted to focus on what we don't have or what we wished we had or where we wished we were at in life or, or something that we wished we had for ourselves. And when we do this, it's really easy for us to get stuck in a rut See, this becomes a a natural part of our life. And we're all gonna deal with this from time to time. But the thing is, we don't wanna get stuck there. We don't wanna live in a place where we're constantly looking at what we don't have or what we wished we had instead of what we have been given and grateful for how God has blessed us. And I think one thing that we can do that keeps us from getting stuck is what we choose to focus on. You know, what are you focusing on this past week? What was your focus? What were you thinking about more than other things? See, we've got to stop looking at what's wrong with our lives and start being grateful about what's right in our lives. And once again, I think this is a very appropriate time to talk about this because there's a lot of things going on in the world. I mean, we've got governmental leadership issues that are just driving us all crazy. You know, people not doing what they're supposed to be doing. We've got issues with with our finances going on in our country right now. We've got COVID. We've got all of these things that we could choose to focus on. But we gotta be careful. We gotta be careful. Because it seems in our culture today that everyone is focused on the negative. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's just everywhere you go. You turn on the television. You get on social media. You have conversations with people. See, they talk about what's wrong, what's missing, what needs to be fixed, what's broken. It's all the time. This is what we hear. But see, your attitude has to be, I'm not going to allow my heart and my mind to live in that place. No, I'm not gonna let that happen to me. Now, maybe you do have dreams that haven't come to pass yet. Yet. Doesn't mean that they won't. Maybe you do have obstacles that you're facing. We have some people in our church, they're facing really big obstacles in their life right now at this present time. But I wanna remind you, God's on your side. God's never left you. God's never failed you, not one time, ever has God ever failed you. And God's not about to start now just because we're facing the things that we're facing in our country. See, everything might not be perfect in your life. It may be far from perfect right now in your life. But listen, if you can't be happy and grateful for where you are, you'll never get to where you want to be. It's just so important we live in that place of being grateful. Here's the thing about a grateful heart. 
It's contagious. It does. I, I love being around people who are grateful and thankful. They rub off on you. That joy that they exude, that bubbling life that they have, that overflow, it spills out over onto you. Man, it just makes you feel good. It just makes you feel like, man, this life is, life is good. Life can, is going to get better. So we have to recognize that each day is a gift from God. See, if you come to work with a smile on your face and in a good mood, it's going to rub off on the people that you work with. If you wake up in the morning, you know, one of the things I really have to work on, I'm not really a morning person. Um, I've just learned in the morning, I need to be really quiet and not say anything because probably if I do say something, it might not be good before I've had a full cup of coffee. Anybody like that? I got to have a full cup, not a half a cup, not a three quarter. I got to have a full cup. And so some people are saying two, some people are saying three, you know, well, whatever it is that, that gets you, gets you going. But, but a, a conscious decision that I have to make every day when my feet hit the floor is who is the Lord of your life today, Paul? Is it Jesus or is it you? Who is the Lord of your attitude today, Paul? Is it your flesh or is it the spirit of almighty God? See, we can influence people. We rub off on people. And how sad it is for people to live negative, to live mad, to live discouraged, to live defeated, fearful. See, our attitude needs to be, God, I thank you that you love me. God, I thank you that I'm your child. God, I thank you that you picked me. God, I thank you that you're faithful to me. You've been faithful to me through every season of life. God, I'm grateful to you for all that you've done in my life. Isaiah Chapter one, verse 19 says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, I want you to listen to this because there's two things here. It says, if you are willing and obedient. Now, it's one thing to be obedient. That's oftentimes not the hard part for us. We can be obedient to go to work. We can, we can be obedient to clean up our room. We can be obedient to wash the dishes. We can be obedient to take out the trash. We can be obedient in things, but it's the willing part. Ah, man, we have a hard time with that. But see, God's best for us is to have a right attitude while we are being obedient in what we are doing. Now, I think this is so important for our young people as you're growing up in your homes with your parents. You know, y'all have responsibility. We gotta clean our room. We gotta take out the trash. We gotta brush our teeth. We gotta, you know, get our homework done. We've got all these responsibilities we're learning as we're growing up. And I think that's really good. I think you ought to be obedient to mind your parents and do what they have for you to do. But it's also important that you have a willing attitude when you do it. You know, the scripture says, it says, don't grieve your leaders as they lead you but do it with a willing heart so that you will be a blessing. Well, God, I'll do what you want me to do, but I don't want to do it. No, God wants you to have a good attitude while you're doing it. See, God's best for us is to have a right attitude, to have a willing attitude. That's the hard part. That's the part that we have to work on. And the thing is, parents, we challenge our kids to walk in a good attitude, but do we challenge ourselves? Well, you need to get a better attitude. Well, you just walked in the door about 30 minutes before you had that conversation with him complaining about work. 
complaining about your day, complaining about this, complaining about the yard work, complaining about something broke at the house. No, see, we got to pay attention to what's going on in our hearts. It's human nature to focus on the negative. It's human nature to take things for granted. It's human nature to take people for granted. But when we do things with a right heart and with a willing attitude, it opens up doors of blessings in our lives. And man, once again, I want to encourage our young adults in here. You know, you want God to bless you. Well, it's very important that you have the right attitude when you respond to your mom and dad. You know, when your mom and dad ask you to take out the trash, do you get an attitude? Do you give them a hard time? Or do you say, sure, mom, sure, dad. You know, my boys, when they were growing up, (laughs) they learned this lesson from me really, really quick. Hey, man, I need you to go clean your room. Hey, I need you to help take out the trash. Oh, dad, come on, God, dad, I don't wanna do that, dad. And then, you know, they learned real quick because they would come to me. Hey, dad, can so-and-so come over and spend the night? Oh, man, I don't have them over to spend the night, golly. And, you know, they immediately picked up on, oh, man, dad is using psychology on me, right? And so they learned. They learned real quick. When I went to them, sure, dad, I'd be glad to do that. And what a blessing that is when we respond with an obedient attitude. Listen, church, we set the tone for our life with the thoughts of our mind. I'm going to say that again. We set the tone of our life with the thoughts of our mind. We attract what we continually think about. If you're thinking positive thoughts, if you're thinking I'm coming out of this, I'm getting better, God's got blessings for me, then you're going to draw that into your life. You're going to draw those kinds of people into your life. But if you're constantly murmuring and complaining, that's what you're going to draw into your life. My life is boring. Nothing good happens in my life. I'm unhappy. I'm fulfilled. See, that thinking attracts defeat. That thinking attracts discouragement. That thinking attracts emptiness, dissatisfaction. God doesn't want us living in a place where we're constantly dissatisfied. No, God wants us living in a place where we're living grateful and thankful. I encourage you to daily thank God for all that he's blessed you with. And here's another thing. Don't compare your life to other people. Don't look at other people. You know, it's real easy, especially like, for example, if you're a young married couple, it's real easy for you to look at a couple that's been married for 20 years, see the nice house that they have, the nice cars that they have, the vacations that they take. And here you are starting out, you know, you barely got two pennies that you can rub together. I mean, you're just trying to meet the bills each and every week. It's very easy to become negative. It's very easy to begin to look at what you don't have and what you wish you had. But you got to understand, they didn't arrive at where they were at overnight. It took them years and years and years to get to the place that they're at. But listen to me, if you'll remain faithful and you'll remain obedient and you'll walk willing, God will open up doors of blessings for you too. So you just focus on God's goodness to you. You focus on the fact that God's always been there for you, how God's always seen you through. So see, being grateful is one way that we walk in victory in life. I think another way to stir the waters of your life and keep things healthy and fresh is to remember your miracles. That's another thing that I do all the time. I never want to forget how God blessed me. I never want to forget the things that God has done in my life. Truth is, there are people who would love to be married to your mate. They think she's awesome. They think he's amazing. The truth is, there are people out there who would love to have 
your job. There are people who would be so grateful to have what you have. See, God's done miracles for all of us. As a matter of fact, if I took a mic and set it up here, and I just asked different ones to begin to come up and share the miracles that God's done in their life in the past, ways that God's delivered you, ways that God's moved in your life, oh, we'd be here for days. Some of you have many, many miracles that you can share, all kinds of things that you could talk about that God has done in your life. I think about the miracles of deliverance in my life from my old way of life being lost, living in the world. Man, I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for the times that God provided money to pay bills that I had no idea how we were gonna pay those bills. Come on, am I preaching to anybody today? I'm grateful for the miracle of friends and mentors and people that God brought into my life at just the right time. I didn't even know that I even needed them at the moment that God brought them into my life. But now I look back and I go, wow, God, I'm so grateful that you brought those people into my life at just the right time, at just the right season to meet needs in my life. At that time, I didn't even know that I was going to face I think about the miracles of safety on my life, miracles of wisdom that helped me navigate a season that was very, very confusing, miracles of healing where God just moved supernaturally and physically healed. I think about all these things. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel, they made the mistake of forgetting the miracles that God had done in their life. You know, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. You're talking multiple generations of slavery. And God raised up Moses right there in his midst. And God used Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of bondage. I mean, what an incredible moment in time. Can you imagine the atmosphere on that day when they were, when Pharaoh finally gave in and they were finally set free Can you imagine the tone and the atmosphere, the dancing, the shouting, the tears of joy, the celebration, all that was happening right there, the renewed hope. Yet after a period of time in the wilderness, guess what? They forgot. They forgot. Instead of being thankful and remembering God's miracles in their past, they began to complain, they began to murmur, and they began to grumble about their situation about their circumstances. They even said that they wanted to return to Egypt. You know, it's so easy for us to talk about the good old days, to talk about how it was 10 years ago or 15 or 20 or back when we were a child. But now when we look at where we are right now, we're just complaining about all the problems, about the leadership in our government, about COVID, about life, about how there's nothing to, you know, you can't get supplies, you can't get what you need. No, the fact of the matter is we just got spoiled. We just got spoiled to the good things. Think about the children of Israel. The greatest snare that we have to avoid is murmuring and complaining over our present circumstances before we make it to the place that God's intended us to arrive. It's a trap that we can all fall into. I call it spiritual amnesia. We just forget We forget God's miracles. We forget God's provision. We forget things that God did for us 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Sometimes we even forget what God did for us just a couple of weeks ago. See, the people of Israel, they were on the hills of unthinkable miracles. Their pockets were full of the gold from Egypt. I mean, God led them out with gold in their 
pockets. It's just hard to believe. I mean, they begin to complain about their less than five-star accommodations in the wilderness. They were upset about where they were living. And the same is true for us. See, a heart of gratitude and a heart of thankfulness isn't dependent upon your bank statement. It isn't dependent upon the doctor's report. It isn't dependent upon your job. It isn't dependent upon what's going on in our government right now. No, it all has to do with our heart, our heart. See, thanklessness and grumbling, regardless of your situation, even in suffering, reflect our hearts. See, what's going on in our hearts? Once again, back to that metaphor of the pool, you know, are you being stirred? Are you keeping things stirred? Are you keeping things bubbling in your heart? God gave Moses a pattern in the wilderness. It's still applicable for us today. Israel had just been given the menu for the next 40 years, manna in heaven. (laughs) Manna from heaven, 40 years of manna from heaven. They're out in the wilderness. There's not a blade of grass. There's not a, a, a drop of water. God provided everything that they needed. As a matter of fact, the scripture says their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out, nobody got sick. God just sustained them in a place where they had no way of sustaining themselves. And God was showing them, look, I am your need meter. I am the one that supplies. I am the one that provides. So God sustains them. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 32 and 33, God gave a a really interesting command. He said, I want you to gather manna for six days, six days. And I want you to get a double portion on the last day. And then you rest on the Sabbath. Okay. In other words, I, I want you to work five days a week. The sixth day a week, I want you to really work. And I want you to do double gather this manna, and on the seventh day, you're going to rest. You're not going to work. You're not going to do anything on the seventh day. I want you to take that manna, and I want you to put it in a jar so that you can remember God's faithfulness. And there's two miracles here. The obvious one is that God fed a couple hundred million people, I mean, a couple million people out in the, in the middle of the wilderness. I mean, that's, that's a miracle in itself that God was able to do that. God sustained his people miraculously, he taught them that, look, I'm your daily bread. That manna from heaven, that was, that was Jesus. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You feed on me. I will sustain you. I will meet the needs in your life. But the second miracle was that that manna in that jar didn't spoil like all the other manna did. As a matter of fact, that manna that they gathered each day, those six days of the week, it would spoil. Every morning when they woke up, that manna would have worms in it if they kept it overnight. And so it was no good. And so it had to be gathered new and fresh. But, but when God said, get this double portion of manna on the sixth day, that, that manna that was in that jar, it wouldn't go bad. That manna stayed good. God kept it from spoiling on them. And see, so you have to know God's the one that keeps you alive. God's the one that can keep things fresh. Even in a wilderness season of your life, God can sustain you. God's saying the same thing to us. Since we're inclined to grumble, since we're inclined to be thankless, since we're inclined to see the problem of our current circumstances, God reminds us, listen, you've got to remember my acts of redemption 
and provision in your life, especially when you're in a season of need. Am I talking to anyone here today? I just want you to take a moment. You sit here as an individual. I want you to reflect back in your life at God's provision for you. I just want you to think about the miracles that God's done in your life. Remember how God protected you from just shipwrecking your life? You remember that? When you were younger and you were headed in a wrong direction and God graciously came in and you met Jesus and the spirit of God came alive in your life and God just spared you from literally shipwrecking your life. Remember when God awakened you to the ugliness of your sin? Man, you used to enjoy sinning. You used to encourage people to get involved with you sinning. But then God made your heart come alive to the ugliness of your sin. And that's, God, I don't want to do that. God, I want to live a righteous life. God, I want to live a life that pleases you. Remember that terrible car wreck that you were in that you walked away from? You could have died, but God spared your life. That accident that you were involved in where God spared you. Remember how God graciously allowed you to grow up in a godly home? He blessed you with mother and father that loved Jesus, that nurtured you, that took care of you, that provided for you. Remember how you had no money and an envelope just showed up and you were able to pay the bill that you owed or to live through God's provision in your life. Remember that impossible prayer that you prayed over and over and over again and God answered See, do you remember that prayer? Don't forget that prayer. Remember how God miraculously healed you. Remember how God placed people in your life at just the right moment, at just the right time. See, God's worked lots of miracles in your life, but you can't forget them. So you've got to constantly remind yourself. The fact is, church, we are all sinners that were saved by the grace of God. We were all enemies of God And God sent his son to die in our place for God so loved us that he sent his son. What a miracle. I never want to forget the miracle of Jesus dying for me. Such a miracle in our lives. As I close, I want to encourage us to be a church that's known by our grateful hearts. Not our murmuring, not our complaining. We'll be a church that's known by our passion. When people encounter you at work, when your family encounters you, the places that you go, are you putting off an attitude of gratitude? Do people see that you're excited about life, that you're excited about your future? Yes, I get it. There's a lot going on. None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. It could get worse before it gets better. But listen, church, many, many Americans have lived through difficult times. Many, many Christians have gone before us that have lived through difficult times. The issue isn't the fact that we're living through difficult times. The issue is, is how will we respond to the difficult times that we're facing? See, we're the ones that decide to live every day grateful and full of passion for the things that God has done. And guess what? The things that God is still yet to do. The way I look at it, problems are just an opportunity for God to work another miracle in my life. God's worked many miracles in my life. Heaven didn't run out of miracles. Man, I was praying at the altar this morning and I said, God, I thank you that your kingdom and your power and your provision is unlimited. God never gets tired. 
He never gets weary. He never runs out of blessings. He never grows fatigued. No, there is a resource that's coming out of the throne of God in heaven that is full of power and dominion and authority and provision. God never grows weary, not ever, not one time. Now we do. And that's why we tap in to the spirit of God. I wanna encourage our church, keep the good things of God in front of you. Don't look at all the negative. No, you keep the good things of God in front of you. You live with a heart of gratitude. You live with a heart of passion. And listen, as we do that, that's contagious. That's contagious. You know, we got something going around right now that's contagious, it's called COVID-19. But we got something else that can be contagious. Faith, hope, love, joy, peace, faith. Come on, we gotta walk around being contagious with the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of the enemy, but the kingdom of our father who is in heaven. I just wanna remind all of us, are you stirring up that pool? Are you keeping that water bubbling? And when people come around you, are you infusing them with life or encouragement? That's what God has called us to do. Can I have an amen? Y'all stand with me this morning. Let's give God a hand clap. Come on, he's worthy. Come on, let's pray together. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today, God, we honor you. We give you thanks, God, for all that you have done. Come on, let's just take a minute. Those listening by the podcast, you may be driving down the road, those listening by live stream, those right here with us, let's just take a minute this morning. Let's give God thanks. Come on, remember what God's done. Thank God for all that he's done. God, we thank you. Lord, we honor you. Lord, you're worthy. Lord, forgive us when we murmur and complain. God, forgive us when we lose sight of what is really, really important. And Lord, always remind us of your faithfulness. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You never have and you never will because you can't forsake yourself. You are faithful. God, go before us this week. Use us to be a blessing in other people's lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Have a good week. We'll see you Wednesday. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.